Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Home Energy Design 101. How to design a beautiful home and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and life. Who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty, and my team and I do the best damn design in the country. But I'll help you create a beautiful design that is also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey everyone, this is Amanda. And as many of you know, I am an interior designer and feng shui practitioner, and I specialize in floor plan readings. But today's guest is none other than Ruby Warrington. Now, if you don't know who Ruby Warrington is after today, you're going to be asking yourself, why, oh why, have I not known about this amazing woman? Here's the thing. If you feel like you are missing that spark, that passion in life, and you just can't quite figure out what it is that you're supposed to be doing, or maybe you miss that spark from something else that you're not doing, or maybe you're missing out on a calling, maybe it's a hobby and you're not giving it the time that it deserves, you are going to learn so much today from Ruby. She is not only the author of the amazing blog, thenuminous.com, but she also authored Material Girl, Mystical World, which came out earlier this year. Ruby was working for one of the hottest style magazines in London. She had it all. And according to her, on paper, her life looked amazing. The best vacations in the most exotic places in the world. She had all kinds of baubles and free accessories, clothes, shoes, and the things that she didn't get for free, she got heavily discounted. In the midst of that, she had an extensive nightlife filled with alcohol and drugs. It was what most people would consider the life. But what happens when you strive to get it all and actually achieve it? And it's not what you hoped it would be. And even though she sought out all the things that our culture has told us will bring us fulfillment, it left her feeling empty, stressed, and completely anxious. So she decided to get into a hobby of hers, astrology, and that was the tipping point for her, which then launched The Numinous, and then after that, her book. My hope is, is that by bringing Ruby on today, not only was this one of the most high vibe conversations that I've had in a very long time, I'm hoping that through Ruby's story, for all of you who listen to this podcast, my biggest mission in life right now is how I can best serve and how I can give back to the world in big ways. And through this podcast, I'm hoping that I can have guests like Ruby who are open and really show the raw side of what our culture has done to us and how following your passion, no matter how scary it is, can be so fulfilling and give you a life that you never dreamed possible. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? How was your holiday? It was lovely. It was so nice just to touch base with London. I try and go several times a year, you know, so I still feel really connected. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. 
Thank awesome. you. How was yours? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, my other half and I, we always travel somewhere. And the last couple of years, we've been going to Asheville, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. we have been traveling so much this year. And our schedules have been so incredibly stupid that we were like, you know what? We just want to stay home and putter around the house and, you know, like just kind of take a week off, which we didn't. We ended up working, but we were like able to just like kind of putter around and do as we pleased without like deadlines and emails and phone calls and, you know. <laughs> I do. Know. Yes, that sounds lovely, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. So, um, you know, it's it's this whole idea, which you can totally resonate with this, is that when you're in this spiritual space of, you know, not really signing up for this patriarchal way of pushing, 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 and, you know, being more busy for the sake of being busy. So like, I profess all the time to my clients, like self care and meditation and, you know, pleasure through and don't push through and like, I am not the poster child for any of those things. Right. Yes. It's a practice for all of us, right? It's so difficult because it's so deeply ingrained. The conditioning is so ingrained that that's how we get things done is to effort and be busy and do, do, do. It's difficult. Yeah, I I worked with the um, energy uh, healer over the summer. I, I uh, She was my mentor over the summer. And it was funny. She kept telling me, Amanda, stop doing just be. And I was like, mm. I don't even know what that means. Like, I I, I can't like, you know, like I, I remember just having like heart palpitations every time she would like stop <laughs> me and say, stop doing just be. And, you know, I was like, yeah, my conditioned brain can't even understand how to even dissect that. Well, exactly. Particularly as an entrepreneur, I mean, there's it's it's so um, it's so counterintuitive to sit and wait when the buck stops with you for literally everything. <laughs> it's so true. And every time I stop, like um, you know, I will take I will get up in the middle of the day. I, I work out of my home, and so I will my I have staff that also comes to the house, and I will yell up to them because they're in the loft, and I'll yell up to them and I'll say, "I'm going outside to talk to Arthur, and Arthur is our tree." I'm going outside <laughs> <Perfect>. to speak. <laughs> I'm going outside to to have some some deep therapeutic talk with Arthur, and so I will go outside, and I'm fidgeting, like I I can't. It's very hard for me because as soon as I get still, you know, that's when my brain starts racing because I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. shit, I've got to call this person and I need to take care of this. Oh, crap. I forgot to do this email, you know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. I just need to take 10 minutes and it's okay. I don't have to feel guilty for taking this 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the awareness is the first step, right? Yes. Hallelujah to that. (laughs) (laughs) Brownie points for that. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so I am so excited about this podcast because I know that you and I are just going to be able to shoot the shit like nobody's business because, y- yeah, you and I are we speak the the same language. So, but I want to back up and do a proper introduction and welcome Ruby Warrington of the Numinous and also author of Material Girl Mystical World to the show. Hi, Ruby. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. 
today. <laughs> you cannot be as excited as I am. I It's so funny because um, you were not on my radar. And then at the beginning of this year, uh, mm. a girlfriend had told me about your book and it hadn't come out yet. And so when I looked it up, I was like, oh my God, like, how did I not know about this? Like, I feel like our spiritual circle is pretty small and tight. And like, we all know everybody. And and if we don't, then the person that we do know knows of the, you know, like that sort of thing. Mm, mm. And so uh, my friend Amy told me about this book. And and so it hadn't come out. And so I pre-ordered it. And when I got it, I just kept thinking like, oh my God, like I'm getting some weird feedback on my end. (laughs) Um, but it's weird because I feel like, you know, I really feel like this book really takes it back to the basic basics. And it's the book that I wish that I had 20 years ago. Mm. I feel like I came out of the spiritual closet in 1997. So I'm really dating Mm -hmm. myself, but I was in college (laughs) and... The gal that I was working for, her name was Teresa Oliveri, and she was um, the owner of a construction company, and she was highly esoteric, like constantly talking. Like she wouldn't make a decision without her psychic or her astrologer. Um, She heavily believed in past lives, and when she would meet someone, she would either say, I've traveled with them before or I haven't. Like she was really out there, but she kind of opened the door for me. And, you know, back in the 90s, there was no Amazon, there was no internet, Mm. there, you know, like, Mm. I had to, like, go to the library, or I remember my first Raider, uh, Rider Weight deck that I uh, purchased at Borders Bookstore, the tarot Mm -hmm. cards were behind a locked glass case. Wow. I know, and so... (laughs) Contraband. (laughs) And I was so embarrassed, I don't want anybody to know about my deep, dark secret. You know, like there was just so much. I felt, it, I'm sure it was so self-perpetuating that I, I'm sure it was a perception of my own that like people were going to judge me for it. But like I didn't want anybody to know that I wanted to buy a tarot deck. But I had to go to the front desk to get the person with the key that could get me the tarot deck. Like it was such an ordeal, you know, like. <laughs> People just don't realize, like, now you can just go on Amazon and buy the damn things and they show up at your door. (laughs) Right. And And that's happened quickly, I think, as well. It's really only in the past probably six or seven years that that's been the case, you know, in terms of of there there being less of a stigma attached to having an interest in the esoteric. Oh, without a doubt. I remember uh, my first past life regression book that I read was by Michael Weiss. I love it. I've probably read it 10 times. Um, Dr. Newton is also another past life regressionist book. But I remember reading those. And like when I would travel, I would take it with me on the plane. And like I would have a book cover on it because God forbid, I didn't Mm. want anybody to know (laughs) Mm -hmm. about my weird side. (laughs) Right. Um, But that's why I loved your book so much because I thought, my God, you know, for somebody who is coming out of the spiritual closet, it's like um, it can be really intimidating. Um, I feel like there is it is definitely a lot more accepted nowadays than it was 20 years ago by far. But there's still I feel like a lot of people who want to say that, you know, tarot is weird or psychics are weird or they're just like dipping their toe into it and like. 
it can be really intimidating. Where do you go to learn about astrology or tarot or witchcraft? And it's like, I felt like your book was just like a nice little starting point for anybody who is like, okay, I'm curious. It's got like a little bit of everything in it and it's, re it's really back to basics. So it doesn't, it's not intimidating, I guess is what I'm trying to say, which I loved about it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's been my whole mission. So the book is based on my website, The Numinous, um, which I launched as an online magazine um, back in 2013. And my goal with The Numinous was really to present all of these subjects, the mystical, the esoteric, in a way that made them super accessible and kind of cool. And in fact, I've had people, readers over the years, kind of come to me and, and thank me for creating this platform because hey, I can show this to my mom and she doesn't think that I'm like running off to join a cult if I say I'm interested in like any of these subjects, you know, <laughs> it's that kind of vibe. And that's really what I wanted to create with, with the Numinous, the original iteration of this whole journey for me. And then the book came like a year after I had, had launched the Numinous and was publishing articles online. Um, a pub an editor at HarperCollins reached out and said that she felt this was a very different and um, accessible and cool approach to these subject matter. And did I have a book proposal? At which point I did not. <laughs> it had taken kind of every ounce of self-belief just to get the website up there. Because still, I mean, back in when I had the idea, it was kind of, I think, 2011. And even back then, you know, I was the girl in my office who was into astrology, who everyone would kind of like look at a little bit weird when I started talking about Mercury retrograde. And it's just really interesting to me how even in this short time span, less than 10 years, the subject, particularly with astrology and tarot, which are the more, more kind of entry level, I suppose, tools that people gravitate towards, um, how much that conversation has changed. Because even, even then, 2010, I was definitely the woo-woo one of the office, you know? Mm. So it really did take a lot of me busting through my own conditioning and my own um, fear about how I would be perceived for producing this site took a long time to overcome that. So, yeah, th two, three years, really, from, from having the idea to actually launching the website. So there was no way I was thinking about doing a book. But then it kind of came to me. You know, I kind of manifested it yeah. <laughs> unintentionally <laughs> by, as we know, you know, the, the law of attraction, like attracts like. And there I was really putting all of my heart and soul and passion into this project that i believe so strongly in that of course I magnetized this this book this book deal to me you know yeah um, and I I think you're right I think that it really has become very trendy you know mm. to to be spiritual and I'm seeing a lot of like the 20 somethings you know collecting crystals and stones and getting into witchcraft and and essential oils and tarot and astrology and I feel like it's become quite trendy which is mm -hmm. fantastic because it is making it more mainstream. Exactly. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. I guess my, my hope is that people don't stop at all of the pretty kind of accoutrements. And actually, I think the big message of my book, as you've read, is really that, yes, all of these tools are great and necessary and beautiful a lot of the time um, and fascinating. But really, the spiritual work is what we do on the inside. And it's a personal job and it's a personal journey and no amount of crystals or incense or smudging or anything is actually going to do that work for you. It's a two part job, you know? 
Yeah, I think one of my favorite quotes from the book is healing is the new nightlife. I was like, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's actually true. borrowed from that's borrowed from a yoga teacher I met called Amanda Capobianco, who I met um after I'd been living in Brooklyn for a few years where she was based and she like I had noticed, you know, whereas, so I, I moved to London, to New York from London in 2012. I'm from London originally. And I had really noticed partly because I was now setting up, starting to set up the numinous and investigating this whole area that my social life had transitioned from hanging out in bars to going to gong baths and moon circles. <laughs> and that chapter is really about how, wow, all of the so many of the things that I used to seek through alcohol, spirits, if you like, in my social life, um, I was actually finding through these practices that helped me to connect to my spirit. So a sense of connection to other people, um, feeling inspired creatively, um, feeling more relaxed and just kind of generally better about my myself, my own well-being. So, yeah, that the kind of that's been a bit of a subplot to my whole journey, really. Um, stepping away from alcohol, removing alcohol from my life. It's been quite a big part of my whole journey, actually. Hmm, I love that. So I'd like to back up just a little bit for those who may not know of you or know about the book. Um, you, st- you started at Style Mag, and you were a huge uh, person in fashion. You, uh, As you said in the book, you looked fantastic on paper and had the... <laughs> ideal dream life of high fashion, fantastic vacations, um, all kinds of free loot and things like that. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious. Um, I know that this was true for me, that it's usually some kind of uh, massive uprooting in your life that kind of creates that change or that shift, like an awakening, so to speak. Um, but what was it like, really? You said you were the woo girl which I can resonate with that. Mm -hmm. But what was it like (laughs) being in this um, pretty hyper culture of um, materialistic ways and really shallow, empty calorie way of thinking and, and, you know, very uh, different from the spiritual world and transitioning into this idea of, I'm going to launch the numinous and I'm going to make this happen. And like, what would I, I'm just so curious what that transition was like for you. It had to be scary as shit. <laughs> it, it was pretty daunting. Yeah. Which is why I think it took me so long to actually kind of step into the creation of the numinous. But, um, I love the way you described that lifestyle as an empty calorie lifestyle. That's exactly what it was like. It was this saccharine kind of like crispy cream, crispy cream of a life. Do you know mm, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, So I, there wasn't, but there wasn't any kind of like a big breakdown. If anything, I had suffered more sort of like emotional trauma in my early life that I'd never really processed, like starting probably with my parents' divorce. um, But then I had a very, very um, difficult relationship from the age of 16 to 22, which I write about in the book. Mm -hmm. And I had an eating disorder and I was emotionally and sexually abused by this person I was with. Um, the Capricorn. Never, the Capricorn. <laughs> I feel a bit bad. I, I'm like, oh, Capricorns, I love you, really. And this is just this one Capricorn was not so lovable. <laughs> the devil. Um, exactly. Um, but I, when I came out of that relationship, I swiftly, within six months, met my husband, the Pisces, who I'm still with almost 20 years later, who was really the love of my life. And so I didn't really have a break in between to 
process what had gone down in that initial very difficult relationship, which took up the majority of my kind of formative years. You know, the whole process of becoming a woman was with this man. And I think that it all just kind of caught up with me. I got to my middle 30s and just found myself suffering from extreme anxiety, um, unable to sleep properly, very tearful, feeling overwhelmed by my work pressure a lot of the time. And yet I was in, like you said, my dream job on paper. Everything was fabulous. I'd been hugely successful in my career. I was doing the kind of work I really had wanted to do and had set out to do. I'd achieved my all of my ambitions, really, in terms of my career. And yet I was aware that something very, very fundamental was missing and that I was actually deeply unhappy. And so there was a real disconnect between, hold on, I have everything I wanted. Amazing husband. We bought a house. Like, great job that I wanted, great friendships. And yet this deep feeling, like I said, that something was missing. Um, and so it was more of an existential crisis than an actual major life event that kind of kickstarted my, the next step of my journey, I suppose. In this questioning, I kind of decided, well, perhaps I need to study something on the side, like a passion project. Maybe I need something that's just for me creatively to kind of to ignite my kind of curiosity about life again. I was feeling very bored as well. I was really kind of like, wow, is this it? You know, is this it? This everything that I've manifested, like all of this fabulous stuff, is this it? How ungrateful am I also? Um, right. But I, so I decided that I would, that I needed to study, I needed some kind of a passion project. And immediately on kind of like wondering about what that might be, I came, I landed on astrology because it was something I'd always been completely fascinated by. But like I said, that had always been quite in the closet for me. Um, And so I hadn't really investigated it any further, but it was one subject I knew that I could just talk about and read about endlessly and never get bored. (laughs) And so I introduced myself at the time to our resident astrologer on the magazine that I was working for, who kind of took me under her wing and began to mentor me on astrology, but also every mystical esoteric subject under the sun. She was extreme. Her name is Shelley von Strunkel. She's extremely well-read, has traveled the world, studied with all sorts of gurus, and her apartment is this giant loft, but like Harry Potter's library with just books on every <laughs> subject under the sun and incredible art, and I would go around there, and it just honestly felt like stepping into Narnia, this kind of wonderland of, of just intrigue, and I was so fascinated by everything she was talking to me about. It was like, um, it really was like a sort of light at the end of the tunnel in, in a way. And I was more and more drawn to everything that she was teaching me and telling me about. And during our conversations, she used the word numinous. Being a writer and a wordsmith, I really love words. And as soon as I heard this word, I just kind of, I envisaged it on the cover of a magazine. And I really had a bit of a light bulb moment, which was this this subject matter is all so fascinating and so relevant. And yet, like you said, it's all kind of, lots of it is... um, yeah, just just the stigma attached to it. It feels kind of woo-woo or flaky. Um, there didn't seem to be anywhere that was presenting these subjects in a way that I could kind of comfortably talk to my colleagues at work about, you know? Yeah. So sort of, hmm, hmm, interesting. There is a gap here. <laughs> and this was, I guess, like 2011. But I hadn't um, – but, yeah, like I said, there was still no way I was going to leave that job because that job was everything I had dreamed of. You know, it was so I was so deeply conditioned to believe that having attained all of these external material 
quote unquote successes and achievements was the be all and end all of what would make me happy and fulfilled in life because that's the story that we're generally fed by the capitalist system but I, it took me a while to unpick that and actually say, no, this isn't, this is not making me happy. And during that time, my husband got a job in New York. So I did get a little extra push from the universe, which was like, okay, well, you're going to leave that job behind and you're going to see. By no mistake, <laughs> I should say. Show you. Exactly. <laughs> and so we moved to New York at the beginning of 2012 and I left the job and it was it was very difficult. And, um, it took again about another year to begin working on the numinous because I was, yeah, afraid about how I'd be perceived, whether I would do a good, good job. Um, how on earth it might make money or anything like, could it be a job or was it just going to be a side thing? So yeah, it's really been a journey. And then, so a year after I launched it as a blog, this book, book deal arrived and I've spent the past two and a half years really working on that, meaning writing, researching it, writing it, editing it, promoting it, having it come out. And it's only now I'm kind of re-looking at the numinous and going, okay, wow, I've, what have I created? <laughs> what have I created? It's a birthing um, process. Completely. And a lengthy one, but it had, the whole journey has felt so organic and so um personal and i think that that really comes through in the book and it comes through in the numinous this is very much a reflection and expression of my own personal journey um through bringing all of these spiritual tools and philosophies into my life and really working with them you know um so i think i i hope that that kind of authenticity really resonates with people who are reading it and that's the kind of feedback i'm getting so so yeah, that's been the journey and it's ongoing. You know, I really do believe that life is a continual evolution and now I'm in this stage and there will be many other stages of this journey, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, it, it, I, I absolutely agree that, you know, divine timing definitely, you know, set her foot down and said, all right, you're not going to give up the job. I'm going to do it for you. Um, you know, yeah. it's, I think Oprah was the one that said, you know, the universe will whisper and then it'll have a conversation and then it'll start shouting at you. And so, yeah, you know, book the train ticket and put you shove you on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I really do feel that, you know, I, I hear this a lot from people where they, you know, on paper, they have everything. They have the dream house, the, mm. the, the dream life or so what the patriarchal system has told them that, you know, this mm -hmm. is exactly what you should have to be happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely the consumer driven, you know, the more you have, the, the better you're going to feel, which is never yeah. true. But, never. you know, I, I feel like part of that is, is that when you really step into your purpose and you really step into what you're passionate about and really align with the, the correct things as to why you're here, that's when things really start to manifest, take place, feel good, you know, all the goods in life. So I'm curious with the numinous, you know, it, you have done such an amazing job in putting together this platform of fantastic information and building it. So I'm, I'm curious what you've done to really get the numinous to grow to what it is today and, and how it became what it is today. Um, you know, obviously it's been a labor of love, which has to be different mm. than what you were pushed to do at the magazine. Mm. Yes, indeed. An absolute. What have I done? Poured my love, heart and soul and all of my curiosity and energy into this project, you know, without without necessarily knowing what the outcome will be. 
my husband is, um, he's a Pisces, like I said, but he has a Virgo moon and rising. So he's really quite structured in his outlook on life. (laughs) He's continually telling me, you need to make a plan. You need to make a plan. You need to set some goals and then measure how you're going to achieve them. And honestly, every time I try and do that, I, I kind of fall asleep. Like I I shouldn't fall asleep. (laughs) It just doesn't work for me. And there's so many voices in my head saying you need to be more structured. It needs to be more considered, but it just doesn't work for me. I am an intuitive being and that's how I work. And that's the, the feminine way, let's say. And I am more and more a champion for that for other people too. you know, trying to force myself into, I had a very, as you can imagine, deadline focused career. I always worked for a weekly or daily magazine. So it was a lot of the time daily deadlines and the stress in having to push myself to meet deadlines when I just wasn't feeling it <laughs> was immense for me and very debilitating to my overall well-being, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And, um, so yeah, having been able to create a life where I can go with my emotions, where I can follow my intuition is invaluable. And that in itself feels like a huge achievement. I may not be making seven figures yet, but who's to say that isn't in the future. And in the meantime, I'm having such an amazing time creating what I'm creating. And isn't that how it should be? I mean, you really <laughs> should... And I think that we're going to really start seeing more of that, especially with this divine feminine really starting to uh, unfold. I feel like mm-hmm. we're going to start working from our core desire and things that mm-hmm. make us feel good and really getting away from this system of, you know, you have to do step one, step two, step three. You have to have these things. You have to feel this way. You have to do it this way. And it's like all these have tos. <laughs> oh, I'm getting stressed. You even say like that. Yes, exactly. Right? So much stress with all of that. Yeah. And I feel like I'm more creative and I'm more productive when I do it my way. I, I resonate mm-hmm. with what you're saying about having deadlines and being told what to do. I've never been able to hold down a job. The <laughs> longest job I've ever had is working for myself because I got fired from every job. So the universe knew where you where you were supposed to be working too. Then evidently, yeah. And so I, you know, I resonate with. I, I really think that we're going to see um this is you're you're hearing it here first (laughs) Mm. i really feel like the the uh trend that we're going to see in the next 20 years is really going to be around health and wellness i think that um how to heal ourselves holistically but really health and wellness and and doing things through pleasure and and not this old um hierarchy type system of being conditioned into and you can already see it in the uh kids you know uh i had my niece working for me for nearly 10 years while she was in the last years of high school and college and like i would my conditioning was if i need her to do something i will pay her more money it didn't mm. resonate with her. It didn't matter mm. how much money I would throw at her. She didn't give a shit. Like if she was, <laughs> you know, had a concert that she had put together with her friends and that was what they were going to be doing that day, I could have given her $6,000. It wouldn't have mattered. It was more important yeah. for her to have that sense of community and be mm. with her tribe and hang out with her people. And I'm starting to mm-hmm. see that more um, with the younger generation. And I love it. I love that they are really mm. sitting in their power and saying, no. That yes. doesn't feel good. I don't want to do that. Yes. I want to do this. 
that's such a great story. And I think, you know, exactly. Well, what am I going to do with a seven-figure salary, buy more things that I already know didn't make me happy? In the first place, yes. In the first place. Like I could grow my business, sure. And I do want to grow the business and employ people and build the platform, of course, but not um, – yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in this for financial reward for for that for its own goal. You know. Yeah, and I think that we're going to really start seeing a, a massive shift in that. I think that self care and, you know, this like what you're talking about the enormous amount of pressure and stress of all these deadlines. Like that mm. can one it ages you. Uh, you know, mm. and you have all of these side effects and health effects that come from that because it's putting so much stress on your emotional body and then, you know, coming down to your physical body. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to, you know, do that for 10, 15, 20 years and look back and go, but what did, you know, did it even matter? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, what did I really achieve? Yeah. Totally. Crispy cream. <laughs> cream. I mean, delicious, but gone in a moment, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's you know, I do, I don't have any regrets about the career that I pursued. And what's been really great is that I've been able to transition all of the skills that I learned in that environment to what I'm doing now. You know, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. I wouldn't have been able to write my book, not having not had that kind of training. So yeah, I'm a firm believer that all of, all of my experiences, all of our experiences have been an equally important part of wherever we're at now as well, you know? Yeah, I, I really think that the universe is a very intelligent woman and mm. she's up there and she's <laughs> like, okay, first you're going to do this stepping stone because the 10th mm-hmm. stepping to- stone is the really important one, but you got to do these first yes. eight so that I can get you there and you're ready. <laughs> exactly. So that you're ready. Yes, totally. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, you have this really fantastic uh, website with all of these really rad topics and, and you're talking about all of these, you know, very spiritual er- esoteric things. And I'm curious, you know, what have you seen um, now that you've had it for several years, you know, what topics were people drawn to in the beginning versus, you know, what are you seeing people are drawn to now? Is there, do you see like a movement where people are a little bit more interested in tarot or witchcraft or astrology or, or where do you see people kind of drawing their attention? Well, it's very interesting. I've actually just done a reader survey to ask these exact questions to find out what's really resonating with people. And I, the results are in my inbox as we speak, and I intend to look at them this afternoon. <laughs> um, Damn are it. you psychic? <laughs> are you psychic? Um, so I, but I, mean, I think astrology has been a perennial. It's the entry, I call it the gateway drug um, to a more kind of mystical mindset for a lot of people. Um, and I actually read a survey, that, a report that came out this year from a scientific body, actually, saying that 58% of millennial Americans believe in the science of astrology, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but astrology has been a perennial. I think tarot is definitely having and has had a, a moment over the past year or two. Um, so many so many amazing evolved and new decks coming out that are just really beautiful and kind of evolving the, the tarot practice as well. Um, I think that actually going, touching back on what we, um, were discussing, I think that what I'm seeing more and hearing more of is people really stepping into, I want to be a conscious entrepreneur. So applying these tools to an entrepreneurial mindset, you know, applying a more spiritual, holistic or mystical kind of worldview to an entrepreneurial life, I think is where people are interested in, in learning more and discovering more. Um, 
I think that there was a there was and maybe people are coming out of it slightly a real interest in the more sort of witchy rituals and things that it required lots of long lists of kind of different ingredients from crystals to herbs and and incense and all sorts and I think that people have kind of had a lot of fun trying those things out and it may be, it's maybe not so practical for people in their modern lives to be sourcing lengthy kind of, you know, ingredients for different spells and potions and things. So I'm not sure if that if that's resonating so strongly now. Um, but yeah, I think just really kind of like, okay, well, how here are these tools? How can I make them super practical and apply them to my modern life? And that's really the message of the book too. Material Girl, Mystical World is saying to embrace this mystical mindset, to listen, to learn how to listen to my intuition, to feel connected to the goddess, to nature, to know that I am a child of the cosmos does not necessarily require me moving out of the city and, and stepping out of the corporate world. How can I actually bring that into the world of business and commerce to bring about more of a sense of balance, you know, and to perhaps create, help create a new paradigm when it comes to how we do business and how we work in the world, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I think that really comes back down to it's the now age, which I, mm-hmm. I, I love calling it that because I think that it really is about these are deeply rooted um, spiritual practices that we have done for millennia. This is in mm-hmm. our DNA. It, it's like mm-hmm. we're getting back to our roots. But, you know, we didn't have cell phones and all this technology and, you know, tall buildings that we Mm. were surrounded by and vehicles when we were originally doing these practices. So I love the concept of this is the now age way of taking what's in our our roots and in our DNA and really applying it to our modern day world in a way that's practical, but also makes sense. Exactly. I, Mm. I think that if you're open minded you know, simple things like you said, crystals, tarot, moon cycles, you know, I think Mm. there's a lot of ways that you can really touch on it and experiment, you know, find Mm -hmm. things that resonate with you and work for you. Because um, I think that if you're open, you know, the thing that you are most weirded out about or not sure about just might be the one thing that you need the most. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I'm curious that, you know, as a feng shui practitioner myself, you know, I've been doing feng shui for over 20 years and I've been, you know, I've dealt with all the criticism. I've been told I was a fraud, a witch, you know, everything in between. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious that, you know, as you were in those early days of making the commitment to do the numinous, there had to be like moments of holy shit, what am I doing? Which we spoke about a little bit a minute ago, but <laughs> What was really the tipping point for you as you're putting all your blood, sweat, and tears into this idea, which you're probably thinking, oh, my God, I'm freaking crazy. Like, what am I doing? Mm. What was the tipping point for you where you kind of stepped back and said, holy shit, this is going to work? There were a couple of moments. I think when I – about eight or nine months after I moved to New York – I first mentioned the idea for the numinous to an astrologer I'd been introduced to here. And she immediately, without taking a breath, said, you have to do this. This is a really genius idea. You need to do this. And I kind of thought, oh, okay, maybe I do. And she immediately set up a meeting with a couple of other friends so we could brainstorm it. And I was like, okay. So that was a bit of a moment. 
Um, but then I think getting the book, getting the book deal, you know, having an, an editor from HarperCollins contact me out of the blue, tell me she'd found it, loved the way I was writing about these subjects, felt it was a, what the, you know, what the scene needed. I think that was a real, that was a real turning point. And what would you say in doing all this, and this is just out of my own curiosity, what's some of the, the biggest pushback or the challenges that you've really had to overcome? Have there been any, or have you felt like this has really had a great flow to it? It's had an amazing flow. And I've been, I think New York, for anyone who's spent any time here, is you know, it's an incredibly entrepreneurial town. And so the attitude amongst individuals generally is very much let me help you. Who can I introduce you to? How can I, what, how can I get involved? And I've experienced that from the word go, um, launching and building the platform here in New York, which has been incredible. Yeah. I um, love that. So, so great. I'm so grateful to, and many of these people are featured in my book and interviewed in my book. I'm just so grateful for all the kind of support and love and, and enthusiasm I've experienced here. The biggest, the biggest hurdle personally, in a way, was when my when my book came out, I obviously having had a career in magazines in the UK for sort of well twenty years now. Um, many of the people I started out with are now editors and you know quite high up in the industry there. And when I first announced that I had a book coming out, everyone was very intrigued and excited to hear about it and promising write ups left, right, and centre. And when it came out, not one person wrote anything about it. <sighs> Oh, heartbreaking. And it was heartbreaking. It was devastating. And I was very hard on myself because I was like, wow, your ego is like out of control, <laughs> you know. But actually having meditated on it some more, I think it really did trigger a very, very deep fear that, wow, I am not accepted. I cannot be seen as my full witchy woo-woo experimental self. I will not be accepted as this. Um, and in the UK, it's been it has been difficult, you know. Luckily, beyond the kind of more mainstream old school media there, there is a burgeoning and growing kind of scene of people who are really interested and actively engaged in starting this conversation over there. So on the grassroots level, there's been there's been really lovely feedback, but it was very painful um, and a real sort of initiation in a way to go through that and to really witness as well how much of my own self-worth had still been tied up in being accepted by that kind of scene over there you know so that was actually that was the personally the most painful part of the whole of my whole process with this um it was quite a personal thing I guess mm, I can imagine I can imagine I you know mm. it can be being in this world can be equally extremely fulfilling Mm. And just as equally devastating, like you said, mm -hmm. there's like no in between. <laughs> yeah, right. but maybe that's just life, actually. <laughs> so you know, because I did learn so much about myself and my needs and like, like I said, how much of my kind of emotional needs have been tied up or, or I had kind of given over to that level of acceptance when actually I don't really need that to. And who your friends really are. Validated. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, talk about clear line in the sand. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, I'm totally going to support you. Oh yeah. No, never mind. I, uh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, it was bizarre. And I guess the other biggest challenge and any entrepreneur I'm sure will be able to relate to this um, is just that um, it's, it, I never stop. And as much as I love what I'm doing and what I'm doing is a very much a reflection of my life, 
I can just go and go and go and go and there's not necessarily any built in kind of like downtime. So I have to really, and I do burn out through it um, and become quite overwhelmed. So I have to monitor carefully when that's kind of like tending to happen and, and force myself to have take a break. <laughs> so with that said, I'm curious, what are some of your like non-negotiable self-care rituals or guilty pleasures that you do to, uh, and I agree, I think all entrepreneurs are this way. We go, go, go because mm. we have this driving force behind us of passion, delusion, you know, excitement. <laughs> um, there's all of these things. And um, I had a coach tell me about five years ago that um, to really make it as an entrepreneur, you needed to, she told me this, she said, you need to take um, four to six days off every quarter. Otherwise you will burn out. And I thought, Sue, you're crazy. I don't have that kind of time. I can't give up four <laughs> weeks of my, my year. There's no friggin' way. But you know, right. as I've gotten older and I've, and I've gotten to be really good friends with other entrepreneurs, I'm now starting to realize, holy shit, she's really right. Like yes. we, we, we push ourselves so hard without really realizing. So those self-care rituals are really, really important to recharge our batteries, you know, whether that's talking to Arthur the tree or, <laughs> you mm. know, whatever it is. So, mm. I'm curious, what are some things that you do that really kind of recharge your battery and, and, um, kind of get you back in that headspace of, okay, I'm ready to go. This year, I've really, really valued taking timeouts to go back to London and spend time with my family. Um, and just my old friends who kind of knew me before this life, you know? Um, and, and I've really noticed as much as those visits aren't necessarily, you know, there's jet lag and it's transatlantic flights and it's like back to back meeting people here and there. I always come back feeling so recharged. And it's mainly because I haven't been sat for like 10 hours in front of my laptop responding to emails day in, day out, which is my general kind of like work life, you know, mm. and just actually getting up and out in the world and being around people I love and who love me is he has been huge and so revitalizing. Um, but on a more daily basis, on a more kind of like regular level, I, like I said, I don't drink alcohol anymore because I knew that for me, that was definitely something that really robbed me of my energy and enthusiasm and self-confidence. So that had to go. Um, I do meditate. I do transcendental meditation every day. I do yoga or some kind of like movement exercise every day. Um, I am militant about my sleep. Um, I'm generally in bed by 9.30 p.m. and I get up at around 6. Um, and so, yeah, I really, I will only book in like one or two evenings during the week when I'm doing anything because, yeah, even, even I need to be kind of like in my own zone for an hour or so before I go to bed just so I can like shut down properly which sounds kind of quite extreme, but it's just what works for me. I know that I can't operate at the level I need to if I'm not getting my sleep, you know? Amen. Mm. I'm the same way, I, you know, and I do energy work for a living. So mm. if I go and see a very difficult client, 
you know, I can, I can do all the things that I need to do to, to get that energy off of me, but I am same way. Like I am mm. in bed by 10 o'clock. I am, I try really hard to be off of all electronics by nine. Mm. Mm. And I usually, I don't wake up till six thirty or seven. And I used to feel so damn guilty for that. Like I used to feel guilty if I, one, I don't wake up with an alarm. I just wake up when I wake up. There are some mornings like, uh, over the holiday, there was a morning where I didn't get up until eight 30 mm-hmm. and I was like, why don't I do this more? Like, and I was like, Oh, cause I feel guilty, but why do I feel yeah. guilty? You know, it's like, yeah, like, where's that coming from? Where is that coming from? And, and why, why can't I do that? And again, I mm. think it's those, those conditions of, you know, to work, work, work. And I think our society too, there's a huge stigma, which is starting to shift, but around sleep, especially mm. like, you know, you should only be able to, to get five or six hours of sleep and operate fully and, and work more, work more, work more, be busy, be productive, you know, and, and I think that, um, a part of my, uh, prediction of what's going to happen over the next 20 years, I feel like self-care is really going to, you know, ring supreme. And I, I feel like sleep is going to be a huge trend about, you know, it's, it's necessary that we get seven to eight hours of sleep to properly function, to heal, you know, your mm-hmm. body has to heal in the, in, at nighttime. And so mm. if you have enormous amounts of stress and you're only getting four or five hours of sleep, your body cannot heal. And I think it's okay. It is totally okay. And I give everybody who's listening permission. If you want to sleep for eight or nine hours, for the love of God, just do it. (laughs) Please, please do it. I mean, I think that, you know, we do live, our lives are so intertwined with technology now. It's possible for us to process vast, vastly more amounts of information on a daily basis than we're actually physically designed to. And I think that a counterbalance to that is more downtime than we've been told is, um, than we've been told is allowed or acceptable is absolutely necessary because we're actually, when we're on, we're operating at twice the speed, we're operating at warp speed, you know? So I think that, yeah, exactly. Whereas sleep, self-care used to be seen as indulgent or pampering in some way. I think more and more will, it'll be seen as a necessity. Absolutely. And I agree with that as an entrepreneur, you're operating at, insurmountable speeds of, you know, trying to process all the emails and processing Mm. the phone calls and the text messages and managing expectations and, Mm -hmm. you know, employees. And I mean, you're doing a lot in a day. And I think about like just all of the information at any given time that I'm holding in my head of jobs and installations and management and payroll and, you know, all of the things that you've got to do. Um, it's not easy to shut that off, but it is yeah. easy to, um, my project manager actually calls it brilliantly. She says that men are like meat cleavers and women are Swiss army knives. Like we just, we have all of these skill sets, <laughs> <So good. laughs> but it's so true. Like, you know, we can really multitask like ninjas, but you know, that takes a toll on our energy systems. And, and I think it, it has to be perfectly acceptable that, we are willing to put in a 12 hour day, but it's perfectly acceptable if we want to be in bed by 930 and, you know, mm. get a full night's sleep. There is nothing wrong with that. And we f- shouldn't feel shame or guilt or, or feel bad because we don't want to go out. We want to sleep. So, yeah, you know, hundred percent. So I'm going to ask you, uh, I want to leave the listeners with this. Um, I'm curious, what now age thing are you coveting the most right now? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's interesting. As we were discussing self-care, um, whilst, whilst doing my initial kind of like research and reporting and doing the initial articles for the Numinous and during the book, obviously doing all my research, I was having tons of kind of quite way out, far out treatments and experiences with different healers and mystics. And I really haven't had that in the past six months. And I think it's actually something that's been lacking in my life, you know. Mm. Um, I went to see a hypnotherapist recently, and it was so beautiful to kind of like journey to that part of myself. I realized I hadn't been in touch with for a while, you know, in a, in a structured sort of way. So I think I would just love, um, yeah, some kind of really, really deep and delicious work with some incredible healers in the next few months. Mm, I love that. So for everybody who's listening, I encourage all of you to expand your horizons and experiment with something, um, we'll call it woo-woo, uh, yes. in the next 30 days, <laughs> whether that's looking into, uh, I actually interviewed yesterday, uh, uh, Mia Luz, who is a drum doula. She mm. helps people birth tribal drums. They, they are to make their own tribal drums so that they can oh, bang wow. on it and open up their vibration cool. and oh. their frequencies. Yeah. Totally high vibe conversation like today. Loved mm-hmm. it. So let's see what else. Witchcraft, any kind of witchy thing. Yeah. Um, like a shamanic healing session or even a d- in-depth astrology reading, you know? Yes, a tarot reading, uh, go visit an energy healer, go visit a shaman, um, an inner, like, uh, there's all kinds of really cool earth and moon, um, type of ceremonial things that you can get into crystal mm-hmm. healing, crystal gritting. What else is there? What else is there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a feng shui consultation, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so many different things. I mean, yeah, I think that a lot of the time with these modalities, the results, let's say, aren't necessarily immediately apparent. And again, we've been taught that, well, if I do something, I want to see the results straight away. It doesn't work like that. Instant gratification. <laughs> you know, and I, but I, it's only through not having these things necessary, not having been investing as much time and energy into these practices or experiences that I've noticed again, there's a sense of something slightly missing, you know, something not 100% in alignment. I love that. This was such a high vibe conversation. And like, I am so giddy that I was able to talk with you. I have to say that I, I've kind of been on this, uh, re, re, reawakening myself with, hmm. um, I've been practicing feng shui for over 20 years and, and I was kind of in the feng shui closet because I too, mine was a Taurus. I didn't have a Capricorn, but for 12 hmm. years, I was married to a bullheaded, very judgmental, narcissistic, very controlling Taurus for 12 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And he was very judgmental about this woo-woo side of me. Right. So I had to meditate in the closet. I had to hide my tarot cards. Oh. Oh. I had to, you know, like I had to be so secretive about my world. And so I, me too, 2012, I came mm. out of the, the closet and started mm-hmm. Um, telling the world that I was a feng shui practitioner. And so, you know, and I, that's why I resonate so much with everything that you're talking about. I'm like, oh my God, me too. Oh my God, me too. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I love this idea that, you know, um, and it's the same thing with the podcast, being able to have these high vibe conversations with people that just like make my heart sing and like they fill mm-hmm. me up and they're not empty calories. And I'm like, oh my God, tell me more. I want mm. to know more. <laughs> mm. 
So it's definitely, um, you can really tell, uh, and I'll say this for those who are listening, when you really align with your purpose and, and when you really align with something that resonates with you, um, at a core, it lights you up and it makes you feel really good. And it's something that you really look forward to. And I think that when you are swimming upstream, like Ruby was in this corporate, um, you know, style materialistic world, you don't feel good. It is empty Mm -hmm. calories. And Mm. then when you turn around and you start swimming with the current, it's like, holy shit, life could be so much easier if I just quit fighting. Exactly. Exactly. If I just let go. I mean, that's, I think if anything, yeah, that's my, that's my sort of plan for 2018 is just to surrender a little and kind of like, because the, the, the book obviously was another huge deadline. It's really the biggest deadline of my life. So I'm still, re- I'm still feeling the repercussions of like that. <laughs> and I understand that. I I have a book that I actually wrote two years ago. And that's uh, my PR firm is in the process of trying to sell it. And it is. It's been like giving birth. Like writing the book was mm. the easy part. Mm. I was able to bang mm. the book out in six weeks. And now it's just been wow. this process of do we self-publish? Do we give it to a publisher? Like, what do we do with it? And it's just like the more time that drags on that, the more that thinking comes into my, I need to get Mm. it out. I needed to get it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. And I saw another one of my peers who is also a feng shui practitioner. She just launched a book on the same exact topic that my book is about. And I'm like, my heart is broken. I was like, I wrote mine two years ago, but now everybody's going to think that I'm behind because I haven't got, you know, so it's all that stupid thinking. Yes, exactly. So your story is your story and it will find its way to the people that, that it, that it will resonate with it. That's what you need to trust, you know? And I love the idea of 2018 just being about surrender. Just, yeah, you know, let it go and go with the current and just flow. Yeah. Yeah. Allow the divine. Exactly. So Ruby, um, I want you to share with the audience just how they can find you, tell them uh, where they can find your book. And then if you've got any um, cool workshops or anything like that coming up, let the audience know. How can they find more information? Well, the numinous is the hyphen numinous.com and it's spelled like luminous, but with an N. And so that's an online magazine that's updated daily with various articles and fun pieces of information. Um, I also run a monthly spiritual mentoring circle called moon club which is a monthly membership and we have members all over the world um and we meet regularly for online rituals and workshops which can be joined from anywhere via zoom and listen to on your own time there's an incredible facebook community that that um you get to be part of as well so that's moon club and that's moonclub.co um, my book is out and available on Amazon and all over the place, Material Girl, Mystical World. And excitingly, if this is coming out in time, I have a retreat happening at Kripalu in Massachusetts, which is a gigantic yoga center in, in Massachusetts, um, in the Berkshires. And that's happening January 1st to the 5th. It's called New Year, New You, and will feature tons of different workshops with lots of the people who are featured in my book. Um, and the idea is that it's all about um, in t- transformational intention setting for 2018. Holy shit. I'm there. Yeah. Amazing. Come. <laughs> oh my God. I just got yes. back from Kripalu. Um, ah. I was there in September. That's actually where I went and met with my energy healer for a week to, you know, work on energy and stuff like that. But yeah. Oh yeah. my God. It's an amazing, amazing place. Like I came Is back it? 
<laughs> and I just was so revived and rejuvenated. And I was like, oh my God, this is where I need to come four times a year for a week. Like right. said. <laughs> there you go. Well, it's January 1st to fit for the first of the fifth. And it's going to be, yeah, some of my, I've really cherry picked some of my very favorite practitioners to come and teach on everything from astrology, tarot, to intuition, nutrition, and meditation. It'll be really, really fab. Oh my God. It sounds yes. amazing. <laughs> Plus, I would I'll love send the you the link. <laughs> I would love the opportunity to meet you as well. Yes, likewise. I've so enjoyed this chat. It's been really great. Awesome, Ruby. Thank you for saying yes, and thank you for coming on. And I am excited about um, your book and everything that is all the numinous because I love what it's doing for society and what it's offering. I think it's um, extremely valuable to our Western culture and it needs it right now. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. It gives me the strength to keep carrying on when I, I hear things like that. <laughs> well, I hope you have a great holiday. It was so great to talk with you yes, today. You too. You too. Thanks again. All right. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye. My hope is that after listening to this conversation, you have been inspired to do something new or experiment in all things now age. I think that when we do things that bring us out of our comfort zone, they are the closest things to spirit. I will leave you with this. I recently was watching a movie about witchcraft and it was actually from the 90s. I apologize, I can't recall the, the name of the movie. One of the things that was said in there was so profound. A woman who often went to church every day was seen helping the local witches and was asked, how on earth do you believe in all this and yet still believe in God? Her reply was, listen, God created all things. God also created those who are witches. It's only men that go in and decide which things have been created that they feel are mistakes. Allow your divine feminine to rise. Ladies, and hey, even gents, it's time. And hey, join me. I've already signed up and I'm going to be meeting Ruby at Kripalu. I cannot wait. January 1st through the 5th. All things spirit, all things divine. I cannot wait to join in the fun and all things spiritual soup. So my jam. And hey, you can meet me too. Hey, hey, everyone. I hope, I hope that you have loved this podcast as much as I did. This is your host, Amanda Gates, and this is Home Energy Design, and I'm so glad that you joined me on this podcast today, and if you like it, be sure to leave us a note in iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a review, because we love to hear from you. And if you'd like more information, be sure to head over to the Gates Interior Design website, and you can find that at gatesinteriordesign.com. And hey, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.